Well, good morning, Nexus. I am so excited to be here with you this morning. My name is Aaron. I'm part of the teaching team here at Gaten, and we are so excited to be with you this morning in this place. You know, if I'm honest, I am one of those people that when I wake up first thing in the morning, just like I did this morning, reach for my phone. Because as soon as my brain clicks on and my alarm goes off, I think, what's going on in the world? So this morning, I check the forecast, see snow. And then I check Facebook and I check my inbox. And when I do this every day, I see the headlines. I get an email in my inbox of something that just starts my day off, recognizing how big and how full of fear and worry the world is around us. You just scan the headlines and recognize how crazy things are sometimes in the world we live in. When I was four, I had a personal crazy experience. We had just celebrated my dad's 30th birthday and had all of the family over, picnic tables spread out in the backyard. We hung up shiny, flashy, bright, colorful 30s on every tree, celebrating this milestone. And then came the next night. And the next night, it's just the three of us again, my mom, my dad, and me, sitting at the dinner table, eating the best fried potatoes I have ever had. And all of a sudden, while we're eating, one bite at a time, down the hall, we hear this loud pop. And so my parents go down the hall and check it out and come back and think, Nothing of it. Well, a few minutes later, there was a knock on the door, but it wasn't like a friendly knock. It was like a immediately followed by Mrs. Shepherson bursting through the door, running into the kitchen and saying, y'all need to get out. Your house is on fire. You see, her six-year-old, who was just a few years older than me, had looked out the front window of their house, and he said, Mom, the Lee's house is on fire. And she said, Michael, that's, that's not funny. We don't joke about this. He's like, no, Mom, this is for real. And so out of their door, she burst across the street, whisked me up out of my seat, and carried me back across the street. And this is what the view looked like for the next little while. And so in that moment, as I'm sitting there looking across the street at my house, the fire trucks rolling up, I can't even begin to imagine what I was thinking. Was I thinking about uh, my toys, the things that a four-year-old would think about? Where's my bear? Where are my clothes? Where am I going to sleep tonight? These things were probably not running through my mind, but I'm sure they were running through my parents' minds. All sorts of questions unanswered in that moment of fear. In Lamentations, Lamentations is a collection of five poems that were written out of a time in Jerusalem, an ancient city of power that was the epitome of power. All of the power was centered there. It was the cultural center, and it was a place of excitement, a hustling, bustling city full of people. But then it fell, and it didn't just fall, it fell hard. And here's where 
uh, we read at the beginning of Lamentations, chapter 1, Jerusalem, once so full of people, is now deserted. She who was once great among the nations now sits alone like a widow. Once the queen of all the earth, she's now a slave. She sobs through the night, tears stream down her cheeks. Among all her lovers, there's no one left to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her and become her enemies. This is a sobering story. And this is where these poems start. And what's so powerful about the poems is that they capture the emotion. They capture the emotion of a war-torn city that's been ravaged and destroyed. You got a picture of it here in the beginning because the poet lays out the feeling, the feeling of loss, the feeling of a city and everything you know torn apart, but not just torn apart, torn apart in war, where there is a lot of hurt and a lot of people doing things that are just unspeakable all over their city and leaving it in tatters. And so that's what these five poems are, a lament, a lament of, wow, what just happened to us and where in the world does God fit into all of this? But then we get to chapter three, the third poem, and in verse 21, we see a glimmer. We see a glimmer of light coming through. And verse 21 starts, yet I dare to hope. All of this has gone on, all of this in the past. All of these unspeakable things going on in the world around them, how, how do we even comprehend this? Yet I dare to hope. And I dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His love never ceases, his mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. God wants to give us a new start each morning if we dare to hope. There were moments in those days after the fire where it was hard to dare to hope. How do you find hope when everything's been taken away? Well, I found hope in a few different moments along the way. And as Kim mentioned in the welcome, we're about gathering large here to connect small. And it was in those small connections along the way where hope came to life for me. Hope came to life that very night after the fire when a neighbor around the corner said, why don't you come sleep at our house tonight? And then my aunt and uncle, who had a one-month-old at the time, said, why don't you all stay with us until you get things settled in? And so one day, my uncle takes me to the grocery store to pick up some snacks and groceries for the house and... You know, four-year-olds, they don't really hold back at all. So my uncle said, Aaron, you want anything? And I immediately flashed back to a recent happy moment in my preschool class where we had had a great preschool snack. And I said, ding, yes, Uncle Blaine, I would like bananas and jello powder. I don't know what it is about that. It doesn't sound any good now, 
But in that moment, as a four-year-old, I found hope. And I also found hope, and my parents found hope in the friends who brought us the very basics as we're trying to take care of all of these details of having rushed out of the house and nothing that was in the house being available to us. We had to have the basics, socks, underwear, clothes for the very next day. And friends just, it was an incredible outpouring of support to walk with us through those coming days and weeks. One of the interesting things for me, the fire happened in the middle of the summer, but the fire will forever be etched into my mind at Christmas time for two reasons. First, after about four months of reconstruction, we moved back home at the beginning of the Christmas season. And so celebrating that Christmas in our house brought on uh, an incredible new meaning. It was kind of a, a fresh new start. There were toys I had lost that, that were replaced under the tree. And this is what that Christmas looked like for me. It was a Christmas of two things, Legos and firemen. And going, going out from that, that was such a pivotal season for me on the road to finding, finding hope, daring to hope in a dark period. But there was one other thing that happened that Christmas that still speaks to me every Christmas. See, the fire started upstairs in the attic. Being the middle of summer, all the Christmas decorations were in the attic. And so the fire just obliterated all of that. But one day, somebody was walking through the backyard behind the house, and they saw this little flicker, this little glimmer, and they reached down and picked up a tattered, worn, covered in black soot piece of metal. And they, they brushed it off a little bit and realized it was my first Christmas ornament. So they took it to a jeweler, and the jeweler turned out to be a friend of my mom's from high school, and so they took a look at it and said, we'll, we'll see what we can do. We, we can't make any promises. And so two months later, this envelope comes back in the mail addressed to my mom, and inside, wrapped in a, a Ziploc bag that I still open every Christmas, wrapped in tissue paper, was a note that said, Dawn, looks a little better, huh? The back wouldn't polish up without taking off a lot of metal, but the front side cleaned up pretty good. Hope things will be back to normal for all of you very soon. And so every Christmas, I open up and read this letter and see this ornament clean, and I hang it on the tree. And I remember the hope that came from one of the darkest days of our family's life. We're here at the beginning of the Christmas season. Some of our retailer friends would like to think it starts a whole lot easier than, a whole lot earlier than now, but we're right here at the beginning. And for the next couple weeks, we get to celebrate Christmas. But why do we celebrate Christmas? It really comes down to this. And if you're an NFL fan and you've watched, it's, it's not just a sign people hold up in the end zone. These words from John 3.16 
and the next line are from John, who lived in the world that Jesus lived. And here's what he says. For this is how God loved the world. He gave us his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So this season of Advent, this season of anticipation, of getting ready for what's to come at Christmas, it's kind of like watching our favorite movie for the 15th time. We know what the end is going to be. We've been there before, but we're still on the edge of our seats waiting for that moment to come. And so this Christmas, this is an incredible reminder that why we celebrate and get ready and anticipate is all rooted in these two lines. God sent his son as an example. The very reason those poems were written in Lamentations was they were trying to figure it out. And God said, you know what? I'm going to help you figure it out because I'm going to put Jesus right in front of you. And I'm going to let him walk alongside some of you. And some of you can collect the stories and write them down so that you can pass them down from generation to generation. But I want you to know this, that I'm sending my son to save the world. And that's why we're here. Yet I still dare to hope. Yet I still dare to hope when the world is crashing down around me. Yet I still dare to hope when my friends say, you know what? I'm not so sure I want to be friends with you anymore. Yet I still dare to hope when the doctor brings news that's not what we were expecting and the outlook is not good. Yet I still dare to hope when my boss says, I'm sorry, your job's been eliminated. Yet I still dare to hope. I still dare to hope. I hope you dare to hope this Christmas as we get ready and continue to celebrate what's happening around us, but know that in the hustle and bustle, as the video said, even in the dark days, know that hope is right there. And we hope that through Nexus, over the coming weeks and months, you will connect to a place where you can get to know somebody and together you can walk through that journey. Just like those folks did who came to support us after the fire, that you will have people with you to walk side by side with you through the highs of life and the lows of life, the good news and the bad news, that we can all together dare to hope. I've seen hope come to life and I believe in it. I believe hope exists. And I hope you will have an opportunity this Christmas to find hope. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus, that in this season we get to celebrate and remember, and that wherever we're coming from, that you will help us remember, that you will help us know and that you will help us dare to hope. That we will dare to hope in the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. That we will dare to hope every moment of every day. Help us connect with someone who 
will be able to dare to hope with us. Dare to hope, God. That is an exciting thing, and we thank you that you sent that message for us this morning. We thank you in the name of your son who you sent to this earth to save the world, Jesus. Amen. Well, as we get ready to sing this next song, we've had an opportunity as a church and as a community over the past few weeks to collect Christmas gifts, to stock a Christmas store in Richmond's north side. And you see on the screen some of the gifts that were collected and were taken down there. And that's thanks to the generosity. We like to believe and encourage generosity around here. And so as we start this next song, the ushers will come down and we're gonna collect an offering. And that is an offering to invest in what's coming and what's next. If this is your first time here, like Kim mentioned at the beginning, please just drop that connect card in the basket as it passes by and we would love to connect with you afterwards. So let's stand, let's sing, and finish our time together this morning. <laughs> 